Well, good morning. It is great to be here with you this morning. As Andrew said, my name is Ben, and I'm the Youth Minister here at Warunga Anglican. Um, and I have the privilege of uh, speaking today uh, from uh, this passage, uh, these passages from John and Revelation, uh, the last in our series uh, that, as Andrew mentioned, we've been doing over the last three weeks uh, in times of need. Uh, but in order to uh, faithfully present God's word, uh, I'm going to need his help. Uh, so please do uh, join me uh, as I pray now. Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, we thank you uh, that it is good and faithful and trustworthy. Uh, Father, uh, I do pray that as I speak now, uh, that I would speak faithfully from it and that you would be glorified um, in what is said. Amen. Uh, you're sitting beside the hospital bed of a loved one. Uh, the cancer has come back. Uh, you, you can remember the original diagnosis uh, just a few years ago. Uh, you, you did all the right things, the surgery, the chemo, it looked like it had gone away, but now it's back and there's no stopping it. Uh, the beeping machines beside the bed can only delay death, it's, it's standing at the door. Um, the delay will be hours, maybe days at most. You're powerless. Uh, you, you sit at the dinner table with your family, you're, you're trying to engage to, um, to, to be present with them, uh, but your mind flickers. Uh, the worry gnaws at you, you've, you've lost your job, you, you thought you'd get another one easily, but no, and now you're not even sure if you'll be able to make it financially till the end of the year. You sit with your face in your hands. It happened again. You've done it again. That, that sin you swore last time you'd never do again, never again. And yet here you are, and, and you can't believe that you've, you've got to this point. You're powerless. Our world is broken and corrupted. Uh, we can hide from it for a while, uh, but sooner or later, the brokenness of the world comes knocking at the door. Uh, you might feel many things in situations like these. Uh, fear, anger, grief, guilt. Uh, but the overriding feeling in any of these situations is one thing. Powerlessness. Uh, when the brokenness of our world comes knocking, uh, the abomination of death that takes people from us forever. The suffering of illness, the wickedness of injustice, the evil within our own sinful hearts. When the brokenness of the world comes knocking, and it does for all of us at some point, the reality is that we are utterly powerless before it. And no amount of striving, of hard work, of effort, of gritting our teeth, will change our situation. Now, over the last three weeks, we've been uh, doing this series on Jesus, our help in times of need. And we've seen that Jesus is a help in, in times of uh, sickness, uh, in, in times of uh, death and the grief that comes with that. Uh, we, we've seen that Jesus is, time, is our help in times of uh, the, the worry and anxiety um, that can come. Uh, but what we're going to see today 
is that Jesus can help us in our time of powerlessness because he is powerful. And I think this, this idea of powerlessness is really the culmination of the previous weeks. Uh, it, it's the culmination of our powerlessness in the face of disease and death, of the worry and despair that comes with that. Uh, but, but before we see how Jesus' power helps us when we are powerless, uh, there's something that we must first recognise. Uh, and it's here in our passage for today uh, in John 18 and 19. Uh, in fact, it's, it's all throughout the gospel accounts of the events leading up to Jesus' crucifixion. Uh, the, the passage that was read for us today uh, is uh, from the night before Jesus is crucified. Uh, he's, he's had the last supper with his disciples. He's been and prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's, he's been betrayed by Judas, uh, captured by the chief priest, and now taken to the Roman governor Pilate because Pilate is the only one who had the authority to have someone executed. Uh, in the other Gospels, we hear of Jesus actually being uh, uh, pinballed from Pilate to King Herod and then back again. Uh, th th there's this kind of turbulent political situation going on. There's, there's forces, powers at work, and Jesus caught in the middle of it all. Uh, and in all this, uh, what does Pilate say? What does uh, Pilate claim uh, in verse 10? Uh, well, in verse 10... Pilate says, don't you realise I have power? Don't you realise I have the power either to free you or to crucify you? And Pilate isn't the only one to think this way. Uh, back in uh, John 11, after uh, Jesus has raised Lazarus from the dead uh, and many people are believing in him, uh, the Jewish leaders plotted to kill Jesus. Why? To maintain their power. Uh, listen to what it says in John 11. It says, Therefore many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin. What are we accomplishing, they asked. Here is this man performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, then everyone will believe in him. And then the Romans will come and take away both our temple and our nation. Uh, this night before Jesus' crucifixion, there are powers at work. Uh, the power of Pilate, the, the power of the Jewish leaders. Uh, in fact, if you were looking on from the outside in at the events that are going on this night... Uh, you might say that what's really going on is one big power play between the, the Jewish leaders on one hand and Pilate, the Roman governor, on the other. And Jesus is just this kind of poor innocent trapped in the middle of it all. Uh, but listen to the words of Jesus uh, in verse 11 of chapter 19. This is what Jesus says. He says, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. A pilot's power is ultimately, well, not his power at all. Uh, he has no power except that which has been given 
by God. Listen to the words of Peter in Acts chapter 2, preaching to the Jews at Pentecost. Here's what he says. He says, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. See, it's not just the power of Pilate that is not really his. It's the power of the Jewish leaders to have Jesus killed. Uh, Once again, whatever power they have, it can only work to serve God's purposes. It was God's predetermined plan. Uh, This is what we must first understand. All human power is on loan. It's, It's transitory. It's not ours. All human power is simply a a kind of cleverly constructed artifice, a a facade, a garnish hiding the reality that, in truth, all power belongs to God, and before him people are powerless. But so often we think the same way as Pilate and the Jewish leaders, don't we? we? We construct these artifices of our own power, our own power over our lives, over the world, over hardship and illness, over death and even sin. I think the the key way that we do this uh, here and now in in countries such as Australia, especially on the North Shore, is that we construct artifices of safety. We pretend we have the power to keep ourselves, our families, those we love safe. Uh, we say to ourselves, I'm safe in my job. I've I've worked hard and made myself indispensable in my role. There's no way that they could retrench me. Or or, or we think it doesn't matter if something bad happens, an accident, something to my house, my car, it doesn't matter because I've earned the wealth to pay for insurance. I'm safe from these things. I'm safe from disease and Illness. I live in a country with one of the best healthcare systems on earth and with some of the best doctors that the world has ever seen. I can defeat my my destructive habits, uh, things that we used to call sin, uh, because I can go and see a psychologist and he can fix me. Uh, There's a process I can follow to to gain power over my sin to, to get out of it. Now, none of these things are bad in themselves. Uh, To get insurance is prudent. Uh, Great medical care is a blessing. Uh, Seeing a psychologist to get help with mental health issues can be really helpful. Uh, But it's incredible how quickly prudent actions, uh, utilising the good gifts that God has given us, can turn into a false and proud sense of our own power over the course of our lives. It can can lead us to fail to recognise that power does not ultimately belong to us. It struck me this week as I was reflecting on these passages and the concept of power, just how obsessed with our own power our society is. We're constantly talking about 
empowering people, aren't we? So many of the major movements, the ideologies that kind of infuse our culture are based on empowerment. Feminism is all about the empowerment of women. The Black Lives Matter movement that was so dominant over the last couple of years claims to be all about the empowerment of racial minorities. Schools promise to empower our children to live successful lives. There are a plethora of self-help books written on personal empowerment, how we can take control of our own lives. And yet, for all of us, everyone, there comes a time when the artifice of our power, the illusion of empowerment, breaks and the truth is clear to see. Here's the reality, says Jesus. You would have no power if it were not given to you from above. In the words of Job after his ordeal, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. All human power is ultimately what the teacher in Ecclesiastes calls hevel. It's vapor without substance. It's like a thick fog. It can look so solid, and yet when you reach out to grab it, it's nothing. Possibly the best constructed artifice, the most solid-looking expression of human power ever created in all of history was the Roman Empire, the empire who Pilate, in our passage, represents. You see, Pilate did not base his claim to power over Jesus' life merely on his own position. Uh, his claim rested on the incredible power of the Roman imperial machine. Uh, the Roman Empire, with all its power and might, in the time of Jesus had secured peace and order around the whole Mediterranean, establishing what was known as the Pax Romana, the peace of the Romans. Uh, no one had ever seen an empire like Rome that could conquer such vast areas uh, and then keep them under control, maintain order. Uh, the power of the Romans seemed unshakable. And, and do you know what the supreme image of that power was? As you approached a foreign city that was owned by Rome, uh, occupied by the empire, invariably, uh, up on a hill alongside the road to the city, you would see crosses. On them, rebels and wrongdoers who had challenged the power and might of Rome, uh, they were exposed, hung up to die in front of the whole world. Uh, Rome's power was displayed through the utter and complete humiliation and powerlessness of those who had opposed her, uh, who had transgressed to challenge her power. To be hung on a cross was to be utterly defeated, completely powerless. And yet Jesus, just hours before he is hung on a cross to die, says to the Roman governor, you would have no power if it were not given to you from above. You see, for all the power games between the Jewish leaders and Pilate going on in this passage, for, for all the humiliation of the cross upon which Jesus is hung, the ultimate symbol of powerlessness, 
For all of that, it is Jesus. Not the Jews and not the Romans. Not you and not me. It is Jesus who has all the power. Uh, To see Jesus that day on the cross, uh, beaten, mocked, gasping for breath, uh, would be to see a man seemingly as utterly and completely powerless as is possible to imagine. And yet the opposite is true. Uh, Look with me at at Revelation chapter 5. Now, Revelation can be uh, difficult to access for uh, lots of us. Uh, it's, it's written in a strange style. There's so much symbolism going on, and Christians often find it difficult uh, to understand what's going on in Revelation. Uh, but it's a fantastic book, uh, and the whole point of Revelation is that it reveals the truth. It, it, it reveals the truth of what is going on in the world underneath what we can see. Uh, Now, in Revelation 5, uh, John, the writer, has seen a scroll in the hand of God. Uh, But there is no one who is worthy, no one who is powerful enough to break the seals on the scroll and reveal its contents. And so John says, uh, beginning at verse 4, I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb, looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. So, John is told that the Lion of Judah is the one who is powerful enough to open the scroll. Uh, Now, the the Lion of Judah is an Old Testament allusion uh, to the ruler, uh, the king who would come from the tribe of Judah uh, and be uh, the king over God's people. Uh, And the image of a lion is fitting. Because what's more powerful than a lion? So, of course, the lion of the tribe of Judah, he's the one who can open the scroll. He's the one who is powerful enough. Yet what does John see with his eyes? A lamb that has been slain. What is more powerless than a slain lamb? And yet it is the slain lamb who is powerful to open the scroll. You see, what Revelation is telling us is that things are not what they seem. Reality is not what it seems. Not only is the slain lamb powerful to open the scroll, but this song is sung in heaven about the lamb who is our Lord Jesus. You are worthy Because you were slain. Uh, Worthy to receive uh, power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and praise. You see, the reality is that Jesus' seemingly powerless, pathetic death on a cross was in fact his triumphant, powerful victory over Satan, over sin and over death itself. 
No matter how it seems on the surface, in fact, in complete defiance of how it seems on the surface, Jesus is the one with all the power. But, but how does this help us? How does Jesus' complete power help us in our time of need? Well, Jesus' power helps us because Jesus' powerful victory was not won for himself. It was won for us. Revelation chapter 5, verses 9 to 10 say, And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. What did Jesus achieve by his death? What made his death a powerful triumph? He purchased us for his father by his blood so that we might be a kingdom and priests to serve him. Here's what Revelation says. The church reigns on earth. Christians purchased by the blood of Jesus reign on the earth. Jesus is is the head of the church and we are his body. In purchasing us by his blood, Jesus unites us to himself in his death and resurrection. And Jesus is the one with all the power. He's been given all authority, all power in heaven and on earth. And we are united to him. We may not be able to see it in the world. We'll never truly be able to see it this side of Jesus' return. But the reality is that powerless, weak Christians, struck down by illness, beset by the hardships of life, yielding once again to sinful temptation, these very same are victorious over the whole world because we have been purchased by the blood of our powerful saviour, the Lord Jesus. We're not powerful in ourselves. As Jonathan reminded us last week, Christ's sheep are weak sheep. But our king is powerful. You see, when we face financial hardship, when we face sickness, when we face death, when we face the sin within ourselves, When the brokenness of the world comes knocking and we finally realise how utterly powerless we are, we're not meant to stop there. We're not meant to wallow in that, be overwhelmed by despair. No, God shatters the illusion of our power within ourselves so that we will learn to look to the one who has purchased us by his blood. When we finally recognise the reality of our powerlessness, We are to look to our powerful saviour, the Lord Jesus, for all our needs. And when we do, when we recognise our need and look to Jesus, then we will display God's power in our own lives in the same way that Jesus did before Pilate. And not loudly or boastfully or obnoxiously like the human powers of this world, but quietly, 
humbly and filled with the peace that comes from knowing that the one who holds all power is the one who loved us at the cost of his own blood. Well, please do pray with me. Father, thank you that though we are powerless, you sent your son to purchase us for yourself by his blood. Thank you that Jesus is powerful over the whole world and so he can help us in our time of need. Thank you that you send situations into our lives which reveal how truly powerless we are in ourselves. Please help us, Lord, to display your power in our lives through the peace that comes from knowing that Jesus has all the power. Amen.